Peace and blessings, everyone. I'm Aziza, and welcome back to another brand new episode of Truth Be Bold. It has been a long time since we had the wonderful and most knowledgeable and most wise Dr. Omar with us. Dr. Omar, thank you for being with us tonight. Assalamu alaikum. Mualaikum assalam, and thank you for uh, uh, asking me to join you again. I've missed you, you know. And, I've uh, missed you too. And you don't know how many uh, messages and emails I've received. Where's Dr. Omar? When are we going to hear from Dr. Omar? You need to do a podcast with Dr. Omar. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, here we are. Here we are doing so. it. And um, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And may it please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uh, grant us his grace and mercy uh, during this um, hour or so. And uh, his wisdom to make this discourse as clear as possible uh, to those who will tune in and uh, even to us because uh, we learn from discourse. The prophet said that there's something more important than prayer and something more significant than prayer, significant than prayer, and one of them is uh, good deeds. The other is talking about the things of God, talking about the kingdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as it's manifest or supposed to manifest in the earth. And uh, I seem to know a few things about that <laughs> that are missing, sadly missing amongst the alim. So I'm always happy to uh, share this, uh, this uh, bit of knowledge that I have. So again, thank you once again for asking me to join you. And um, from here, from sunny Kentucky, in the middle of the United States, a land that I swore I would never come back to, but Allah made it mandatory uh, for me. And so I'm here. Now, uh, what is it that you would like to uh, like me to address or discuss uh, during this brief time that we have to get? Well, I think we agreed before we started, we were gonna leave it open for him. Um, I know one of the sisters has a question and uh, I wanted to ask you this. I already asked you in private, but I wanna ask you openly because it's something that keeps coming up and it boggles my mind how people are getting involved with this. And that is uh, the flat earth versus spherical earth debate. Could you please oh, get into that and kind of explain the answer that you gave to me in regards to it being a CIA PSYOP? Okay, well, first of all, it's a stupid, uh, I mean, it really, uh, it, it shows just how stupid people have become when they want to bring up such a thing. Um, they're so misinformed and they're so distanced from true guidance that they want to discuss this thing. I don't discuss it. I refuse to discuss it because it's such a foolish idea. Right. It's such a misinformed idea. It's so brimming with ignorance. And um, this is something that uh, our enemies, the enemies of uh, Islam, the enemies of truth, uh, purposely plant amongst the believers, amongst the truth movement, 
to uh, discredit them. I mean, anyone worth his salt with the slightest degree of scientific learning knows that this is a falsification of real science. And anyone worth their salt as a true believer who understands scripture and not just the Quran, but all the scripture that came before us, um, understands also that the scripture is written in allegorical language and it's not to be taken literally. And that's what this thing is doing. They're taking a allegorical passage literally and that shows how stupid they are and how uninformed they are, how uneducated they are and how undeveloped they are spiritually as well as intellectually as well as emotionally. I mean, they're going to get very upset with me. You see. And the more they more upset they get with me, that shows emotional immaturity, you see, because uh, this is a, um, a form of escapism. Now I say that uh, in, I say that advisedly because I am well informed about these things. I'm well read on these matters. And this is a form of psychological denial on the part of people who want to escape the truth. And the people who are assigned to plant such ideas amongst the Ummah and amongst the truth movement, they are very well informed about these matters and they're very well informed about how to misguide people and how to pull the strings of their psychological um, malformations and emotional uh, strings uh, of attachment to false ideas uh, so that they appear foolish. And by appearing foolish, they discredit the entire religion, you see. Uh, you know, some people, for example, like myself as an American, I never saw a mosque until I went to Malaysia at the age of 50 or so. I, I, never, I never saw one except in uh, the videos, except in movies, you know. And, um, but in person, I never really saw one. So I, I didn't know anything about uh, Muslims. Um, I had met one Muslim when I was in the army and he was from Istanbul and I really admired him even though he was part of the Turkish underground mafia <laughs> at the time. And I dealt in black market goods, which I bought at discount at the PX because I was a soldier and we took them to the Turkish quarter in Munich and we sold them on the black market there uh, in the restaurant of uh, the local mafia, the Turkish uh, workforce. Now that was 40 years ago and Turkish workforce was not really uh, welcome in Germany, but they had no choice. They, you know, the Germans wouldn't do these uh, dirty jobs so the Turks did them. But Kush Kadir was this man's name and I really admired him. Uh, I uh, felt a true sort of um, camaraderie with a thief amongst thieves. There was this uh, honor going on there between us and uh, we defended each other in, in ways that uh, um, men do 
when they do these things. So he was the only Muslim that I really knew up to that point. I did meet another Muslim who was from um, of uh, Hindu background, who was brought up in Trinidad, the, the island of um, uh, Imran Hussein. And uh, this man was, a, was an assistant to me, a, a doctor when I was a uh, emergency room director in the Virgin Islands. And uh, he was a very good doctor, very reliable and very smart man. He was a Muslim who didn't believe in, in Islam as it was practiced. He believed in it politically as a uniform uh, political structuring uh, institution, but he didn't really believe the metaphysics of Islam. Uh, so, um, but he was a very, very uh, rational man and he was the only other Muslim I met. So what I'm saying is because at the age of 50, those were the only two Muslims I knew, okay? Neither of them were necessarily true believers. And I never knew Islam at all until I was 50. So most people who come across Muslims who then uh, profess this kind of stupidity, you know, the flat earth movement, uh, uh, <laughs> they're just all a bunch of fools. And they're not going to look any further than that. And they're going to be glad to wipe you off the face of the earth, just like I heard uh, some um, uh, men say in the bars in Bangkok years and years and years ago. I sat with, uh, with uh, special forces operatives who were there on leave. And you know how men talk. And they talked over their beer and I sat with them and they were ready to wipe out every Muslim they saw on the face of the earth based on what they saw in the Middle East amongst the Muslim and how they treated each other and how they treated their women. They just wanted to wipe them out just like they would wipe out vermin. Okay, so when you get people like that and a culture like that who have no real knowledge of Islam and then you throw the flat earth Muslims at them they're, you know, they're ready to go, they're ready to go suit up, okay? Let's just do it now. Let's get rid of these MFs, okay? Because that's, that's, they don't, they don't think beyond that. There's no reason to. They haven't been given reason to because Muslims have not presented a good example of what Islam truly is. And then you add this to it and they just say, oh man, these guys have been orbiting the earth, <laughs> okay? They know it's round. They've seen it. You ask any airline pilot, you ask any naval captain or commander, they're just going to, they, they won't even discuss the issue. My God, the Chinese admirals knew this 800 years ago when they mapped the entire world, long before Columbus did. They mapped the whole world. Columbus got their, his maps from them. You know, and I mentioned all of this uh, yeah. to a few people and they said it's all lies. That no. their, their position is, you know, you can't trust the, uh, the Kafir science. So it's all, you have to throw it all out. It's all lies. Yeah. Just dismiss them. They're not worth having the discussion. I won't discuss it with them. And uh, I, I think that's about 
I'm not, I'm not going to spend any time trying to scientifically uh, reduce this to any It's not worth of, it, yeah. It's not worth the effort, sisters. Just don't do it. All right. I've been, I've flown around. I have flown around the earth and I never encountered its end. <laughs> it's, I've never encountered, I don't know anyone who's fallen off. Okay. Or anyone who's seen any. All right. So it's just as stupid, as gullible, as gullible can be. And they are discrediting Muslims by holding up this this false idea and I won't have anything to do with them and if I find out any of my students attend to this I would dismiss them from my fellowship uh, if I were Lao Tzu I would take a big stick and beat them out of the classroom well said that's how much Thank disdain you. I hold it in Thank so you. can we move on yes sir um sister do you have a question <laughs> I see you raised your hand you can Yes, take your, so, okay, go ahead. So I, I have a few questions, but um, they're all to do with the current state of now. So, um, you know, when it comes, you know, because of what's going on with COVID and the mandatory vaccines are going to be a huge issue in November, especially because the World Economic Forum has stated on their agenda for 2021 that in November they will make the mandatory vaccines go ahead. And the way it's looking, it looks like it will, because in England, we've got two people called Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson, and they've both admitted on video that they want to make vax they want to get everyone vaccinated by 2022 so mm -hmm. i've now gone into panic mode because of because of those two saying that as well as the world economic forum now um my question just give me one second because i had to write it down yeah that's it so is it possible is it it do we know as muslims that now is the time to do hijra but when it comes to women that aren't married how do they do that if the family of, say, like, I, I felt, I don't know if it's actually hijra time I need. I don't know, because then when you go to a different country, how do you cope? You don't know the laws. You don't know the rules. What do you do for money if you're not married? How do you protect yourself? What if your family doesn't want to go because they're like, well, if it's in Allah's will that we die, we die. And I'm like, no, we have to do hijra if we have to. But if family doesn't go, can you leave your family? Should you, what if they don't take or do you stay with them? And the last question is, do you think Allah could have, could be using Trump based on doing a bit of research on him? Because he, although he, I know that his real name's not Trump, it's Triumph or Trump. And Trump. He used to be called, um, he used to work, he, he used to be in the cabal and now he's, he claims he's not. And he's doing all this child trafficking under, doing, undoing the uh, tunnels. But then I think, you know, and obviously all my mother, Muslim brothers and sisters are like, no, he's a psyop, don't believe it. But I, I just kind of hope that maybe Allah might be using him to try and help the ummah, uh, to try and help the world come into a better place. Or is that a complete, lying fallacy am i like i i don't know how this world's going to turn around and the reason why i ask that question is because allah says in the quran they plan and i plan they keep planning but my plan is so is much better so is allah or would allah use someone like trump because he is powerful because he's successful and he didn't need to he doesn't need to be a president if that makes sense but then i think 
maybe he's he's got a power thing but he's already very successful so and he claims that he's doing this for the people and i'm thinking if he if he doesn't do it based on his status and how you know who he is then who else can do it who else would allah use and if that's not the case is Mehdi here already sorry i've asked you way too many questions but you can always ask me what questions they were <laughs> thank you for answering in advance <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's a whole mouthful. Uh, let's just address the hijra thing. I get this question all the time. Uh, hijra, especially for women, uh, at best, uh, and impossible at worst. Um, you have to deal with um, uh, the situation of uh, not having a wali, not having a protector. When you make hijra and you go from one un, from one known to an unknown place, you're placing yourself at the mercy of the world. And if you do that uh, without Allah's blessing or guidance, without dreams and visions and some sort of uh, uh, terms and circumstances, you're, you're just th throwing your life uh, into the and the lives of those under your right hand, your children, uh, into the ocean, and uh, going to hope that you cast yourself adrift and that the the tides are going to carry you someplace safe. Now, on occasion, Allah does something like that, but He always has does it with a purpose. I mean, when Jonah. Uh, jumped out of the ship. He was followed by a whale, and uh, Allah had been taken and spat up on the uh, the shores of Nineveh. You see, so Allah had a purpose in that, and that was a prophetic purpose. Now, if you're going to just you know jump ship, if, as it were, uh, you better uh, you better know what you're doing and what your circumstances are, because without a wali, you're not in divine order, and you're just going to be sent. Me, I know you're up there someplace. Come on, I'm here, and I'm willing to go. I don't know where I'm going. You know, that's not how Allah works. Allah doesn't work that way. And the women, unfortunately, are under the thumb of men in this world. And if the men don't do right, uh, women are subject to men who do wrong, whether they like it or not. Uh, and are you going to... Um, um, try to become an, an Amazon and establish your own female uh, republic and then uh, use men in the same way that men have used you? Well, that's pretty much what you're trying to do. You see, the women who stood up in Islamic circles throughout uh, the history were always attached to a wali. Somebody protected them. You can't stand up in a man's world and expect Allah to just to throw an angel your way and protect you against all these uh, heathenish uh, men, even whether they're Muslim or not. You see, uh, it's an unrealistic expectation. That's what is called in the Old Testament, tempting God. You're just uh, taking God's favor for granted without having uh, earned it or without have perfected your tawba or your relationship with him. So it's a kind of a, oh God, what am I going to do now? I'm totally and completely un 
prepared and I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Allah save me. That's not how Allah works. When Ibrahim left Hadjar in the desert, there was a plan. It was well organized without knowing that Allah was going to send an angel and take her. You see? And he kind of said, okay, I'm going to leave you now. I'll be back next year. Every year I'll come back for a month here during Ramadan. And Hajar said, okay. Then said goodbye to her husband. And then she turned to Allah and said, okay, Allah, where is your help? My husband said, you're coming. You're going to help me. He's not going to leave me without a plan. Muslims don't do that. Not real Muslims. They don't do. They have a plan. They have insight. They have revelation. So he never stopped being her wali. And anyone who misunderstands this is not properly informed about the prophetic uh, stream and the sunnah of Allah or his prophets. Now you're in a situation where the women and children are at the mercy of fools. I mean, let's just take, you know, suppose you're married to a flat earth deadhead, you know, what are you going to do about that? Huh? The only thing you, the only rational thing you can do is divorce him and ask Allah to replace him. Okay. But then you're, then you're faced with another problem. You see, there aren't enough good men to go around. And you ladies know that. In your head against that wall until you hit late middle age and then you say, oh, mashallah, it's too late. I've lost my beauty. I've lost my appeal. I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. I have had too many kids. Who's going to want me? Who's going to take me? And then you're confronted by another reality is that your sisters will not share their husbands with you. They're selfish. They will not practice the sunnah of the mothers of Islam. So even if you go from one land to another land, you're still going to be confronted with those same problems. They're not going to go away. Oh, so where does that leave you? Hopeless? Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. That's not an easy thing to swallow, is it? Nobody wants to talk about these truths. Your sisters are stopping you from getting the protection that you need because they're selfish. They're selfish. The wives of the prophet got up every morning. They lived in a little one-room house next to each other all along one row in the masjid there in Medina. That's how they lived. And they woke up every morning and said, Alhamdulillah, good morning, sister. What are we going to do to help our husband today? How many sisters do you know have that heart? I don't know any except the present wife that I have now by God's grace. I haven't met one Muslim sister who has that heart. None. There's no sunnah of the mothers of Islam. And why are they called the mothers of Islam? Because they set the example, did they not? Mistakes and all, they still set the example. And the example was even confirmed by Allah. He said, look, 
you're going to give my messenger a hard time. I'll replace you by another set who will give the proper example. So get it right, ladies. Good men are for good women. It's real simple. It's real simple. You know a good woman? You got your obligation to grant protection to your sister. It is the sunnah. It is not your obligation to oppose. That's not your obligation. Not unless you have a very evidence for it. Not just because you're emotionally distraught. Emotion has nothing to do with the kingdom of Allah, has nothing to do with Islam. Emotion will destroy Islam. So if you want to follow form Hijra, all of these things have to be addressed, especially emotion. No. Especially emotion. I love my Thai wife. She's still in Thailand. I had to leave her. Despite my love for her. You understand what I'm saying? Despite that emotional attachment, in order for me to fulfill my destiny, to meet my destiny, and to meet what it is that Allah has designed for me to do and complete in my old age, I had to leave her. I didn't like that. I didn't like coming to America. I didn't like that. But do I like Allah's will for me? Yes, I do. It's better than anything that I can imagine. So when you're thinking about these things, you have to take into consideration your will versus I will to escape. I want to escape. Is that your will? Is it Allah's will for you to escape? Has he made a plan for you? Oh, I don't know. You can't answer that question, can you? You're asking me. You should be asking Allah. You see? You see how misguided people have become? They want to ask me. No, you ask Allah. You do istikara. You do three nights in a row. You fast. You get up in the middle of the night. You recite the uh, night prayer. And you ask your maker, can I escape or can I not escape? What is your will for me, Allah? Show me. Yeah? Then you wait for the answer. And the answer may come and there's no escape. Then you have to resolve yourself to the fact that you're going to die where you are. And the prophet made that very clear. There are alternatives in this day. You can go to the mountains or you can stay where you are. And that's not according to your will. That's according to Allah's will. If Allah wills, he'll make a way for you and that way will be clear. It will be, there will be no answer, no, no, no. Country not see everything clear right away, but if you see the direction, it's like you begin a journey. You begin a journey, and then you start to 
walk, and then you see the next sign, maybe 10, 15, 50 miles down the road. Then you say, oh, turn left. Okay. But you know you're on the right path. If you don't have a sign to leave, then stay where you are until you get a sign. And when you get the sign, you'll know. There'll be no doubt. There'll be no confusion about it. But if you don't do these, take these steps, if you don't do istikara, if you don't purify your heart and genuinely ask Allah for direction, it's not going to come. Allah doesn't answer people who are just spastically, you know, uh, screaming, help me, help me, save me, save me. That doesn't work. It doesn't happen that way. You might do it for uh, a child who's been, you know, tossed overboard. It might get a lifesaver. But most of the people I know who are Muslims who do that, they don't get an answer because they haven't taken the proper steps. If you want to know what the proper steps are, there's a book written by uh, uh, a fellow by the name of Jilani called Revelations of the Unseen. Somebody, one of my students just sent me that book uh, about uh, just over six weeks ago. I began reading it and I said, oh my God, all of, all of these things have happened to me. And Jilani, Sheikh Jilani outlines it step by step by step by step, the path of Hidayah. Hidayah doesn't stop just because you confess uh, belief in Allah and the Prophet. Hidayah is ongoing guidance and it goes up like a spiral. Faith upon faith upon faith upon faith. And you've got to establish the faith. If you don't show this faith, you don't get the guidance. It doesn't happen. It doesn't come. And I read this book, and this was, book was written 800 years ago. And I said, my God, I started getting this guidance even before I became a Muslim. Mm -hmm. You see? And now you have all these alims saying, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do the next thing. And uh, then I read in the Quran, says, uh, says, Allah chooses whom he wants to choose. Allah reveals himself to whomever he wants. It doesn't say Allah reveals himself to a Muslim according to your understanding of what a Muslim is. The Quran does not say that. The Quran says to whomever he wills. Okay, no. So I'm one of these fellows. I never took the Sufi steps. I never did anything Sufi. Okay. And I'm rescribes there has happened to me already. I'm saying, mashallah, mashallah, mashallah. What is this? Well, I did do this. I did do that. I did do the next thing. And it looks like Allah has honored my faith because I showed faith in him. I showed that he was my friend. I used to talk to him like he's sitting on my shoulder. Then I read in the Quran about Allah's friends. I say, see? He's not some stranger up in the sky waiting to put his thumb on me. No, he's my friend. I talked to him. One of my wives said, who are you talking to? I said, I'm talking to God. Yeah. Oh, that qualifies me for uh, psychiatric uh, incarceration, doesn't it? Sure it does. <laughs> in the ways and the eyes of the world. Do you want to jump into that world without a wali? 
Dear sister, no, I don't think so. You don't want to do that. That's a dangerous place to be without a wali. And Allah is the wali. And he's established a divine order. And the divine order is him, his prophet, the men under his prophet, and the women under them. You see? Oh, I know all about this saying. My wife, my good wife, just mentioned it yesterday. Oh, heavens at the feet of the mother. Okay. But the mother is at the feet of the father. If the father is a good man. You see? She's not on her own. Never. If she is on her own and she's truly guided and truly humble and has perfected her iman, then Allah will provide her with a wali. It will come. He will come. He will be shown to you. If he's not shown to you, don't go. Don't go. Wait until you know. Because what happens is people who follow the path of true guidance are handed from one person to another person to another person. The relationship is always there. You can always trace it. It's just like you trace the history of the Hadith. It's no different. It's, we trace it from one to the next, to the next, to the next. There's got to be a relationship. You just can't go. And if you do go, oh my God, that's, it's very unlikely that people are prepared to take that leap. Men are prepared to take that leap because it's a man's world. Women are not, especially women who have children in tow and no means. Well, you know what happens to a woman who winds up in a strange place with no money and no wali. She only has one resource. And you don't want to face that. You don't want to be lying down for 30 or 40 men a day, do you? No, I don't think so. So don't go unless you absolutely know and are certain of the steps that you're going to take one at a time. You don't have to know the next step, but you have to know the one that's coming. You have to know what direction to take. And if you don't have a direction, don't ask me. Ask Allah, dear sister. So I think that takes care of that question. Now, what was the next one? Oh, COVID. Have, oh, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Because I she sent them to me in a message. So, so it'll be easier for you. So we can just well, go through. I don't, I don't care if you want to follow up with that one now. Fine. Then we'll address COVID. There's no sense. Well, if change. your mind's on COVID, we can just go right into COVID. Okay. Let's go into COVID. Okay. All right, now, where you draw the line in the sand, okay? And you say, you don't cross this one or I'm going to have to strike you down. It's real simple. And if the imams aren't going to do that, you're going to have to do it one way or the other, okay? Don't take the vaccine. It's absolute poison, absolute toxin. It's a biochemical weapon. That's what it is. It's not a vaccine. It's been designed to slowly destroy people over a period of a couple of years. Those who are healthy will uh, fall victim after, uh, you know, maybe two or three waves of additional viral insults. 
then their body, uh, immune system will overwhelm them and will kill them. Can I ask a question uh, really quick in regards to that? Because yes. I've mentioned that to people who claim to be aware of things that are taking place and they say, sister, that that's fear mongering. Sister, uh, you, you cannot speak in behalf of a lost Pantala. We don't know that we don't know these things to be true. No, these are these are, they're just they're just as uh, off kilter as the flat Earth people. <laughs> and I sense some emotional uh, escapism with that as well, because they probably have that's, family that, members who have taken yeah, the shot or they've taken it themselves. They're, they're vested in it, one way or the other. If you examine them, they have a vested interest in uh, the political system or in the industry or in the profession and uh, they're just following orders. This is a blind following the blind. The studies have been done. I posted them all on my website, Zaid Pub. They're all there for anybody to see. The problem is nobody reads anymore. They just, exactly. uh, and they just go to YouTube and they listen to a few uh stupid entities get on there and give you propaganda and uh, they just say oh it's all right and they listen to people like uh, yusuf uh, yusuf uh, what's hamza yusuf or this other fella um you know the big the big time imams who are saying oh take the shot i even had um uh, got to, uh, oh one of the um just came back to this Canadian fellow just came through the other day and he said, I'll take the damn shot and get over with it. Who, I've forgotten his name, that'll come, come to me in, in a minute or so. This shot is a bioweapon. It was developed in the West and produced in China uh, because they changed the laws and they wanted to hide its source and they also wanted to blame, put, put, put the blame on the Chinese. Always been convenient enemies. I mean, you know, when you run out of brown people to bomb, you go buy some yellow, you go, you go bomb some uh, slant-eyed people. You know, that's what the white man thinks. That's how the Jew thinks, okay? And the Jew is using the white man to do this. So that's, and now the Jew is, you know, destroying the white man's religion and culture and dignity and all this sort of thing. That's what they do. They're creating, this is all Dajjal, it's the beast. It's the whole system. This vaccine, or so-called vaccine, has been planned. This whole COVID thing has been planned for decades. Not just the last few years, it's been planned for decades. Decades. And it's documented. It's not undocumented, it's documented. The problem is that the people you're talking about, dear sister, are not doing the correct reading. They're not reading. They're not reading the papers. I know, I've read the papers <laughs> and I know these people are not reading the papers. I'm a homeopathic physician. The allopathic uh, uh, school of medicine is deadly, deadly afraid of homeopathic and they home homeopathy or any kind of natural medicine and they just poo poo it and poo poo it and poo poo it. And I know they haven't read any of the literature on it. They don't read the literature. They just follow the lead of the medical authorities who are profiting from the ignorance of the masses. That's what they do. It's a profit game. It's a selfish game on the part of the people at the top of the pyramid. They don't care about the populace at all. People like Boris Johnson don't give a damn. 
about the British people. They don't care. They'll sacrifice the whole nation if they have to, to preserve their privilege. They're liars. They are liars. Uh, this man um, uh, from uh, America, the medical doctor, what's his name? Uh, the medical Who? Fauci. Fauci, he's a proven liar. He's not only a proven liar, he, he lied about AIDS. He lied about COVID. Ebola. He's a Jesuit. He's trained. Yeah. All right, you can't trust the Jesuits. You can't trust them. They're at the top of the pyramid. The black Pope amongst the Jesuit is running the white Pope. And now the white Pope is a Jesuit. Okay. They working hand in hand. They're the ones saying, take the vaccine, take the vaccine. By God, take the vaccine. Don't think about it. Just do it. Well, when you don't think about things and you don't study the evidence, what does that tell you? I'm, I'm going to guarantee you right now that the people who are, who are promoting the vaccine have not, the, the people, the alim who are promoting the vaccine aren't, have not studied the evidence. I know. I worked amongst them. They are scientifically, scientifically ignorant. They don't know anything about medical science. Even if they studied, even if they read them, they wouldn't understand it. And when you have ignorant people in charge of the will come, and that's destruction and chaos. They're not supposed to be in the position of ignorance. Yes, sister, I see a question on your lips. <laughs> to the sister's follow-up question to what you just said, was um, of course we say no, but do you think Alas Pantala will intervene as he said? That's that's our question in regards to that. No, not until there's great uh, a great amount of destruction. Hmm. I think that most of the Arabs are going to be wiped out. I think most of the people who think that they're close to Allah are going to be wiped out because that's what Allah does. It's the Sunnah. And with that, I've noticed that people, uh, particularly Muslims, are having a hard time grasping this. They think that the help of Allah should come. Why, why should it come? What have you done yeah. to deserve the help of Allah SWT? Now you want his help? That's what I was just saying before. Yeah. <laughs> what have you done to deserve the guidance? You see, have you sacrificed? What needs to be sacrificed? Have you given up the nafs? Have you given up the world? Have you given up your comforts? Okay. Have you given up the lies? Are you still following uh, Muslims who are corrupt? Are you still following Muslim leaders who are corrupt? Have you not turned their back on them? Like the, the prophet's daughter turned her back on the king of Mecca. Come on, ladies. Let's uh, man up here a little bit, huh? Woman up. Woman up, there you go. She turned her back on her own father for the sake of Islam. Yeah. That means she turned her back on idolatry. She turned her back on the world system. And idolatry is anything that opposes the will of Allah, including self-will, including emotional attachment. Hmm. Okay, so... 
where are the people who are womaning up? Where are the men who are manning up and turning their backs on their leaders who are misguiding them? Who throw a few rockets over the wall into Tel Aviv and then wind up getting hundreds of their women and children murdered because they can't protect them. I mean, that's just absolute nonsense. They're as foolish and as misguided as the flat earth people. I won't have anything to do with them. If I were Palestinian right now, I'd go to the nearest Jewish office and I'd say, okay, help me get out. I hear you're handing out money and air tickets. I'm, I'm, me and my family are leaving. Okay, just get me out of here. I'd be, I'd be standing in line because there's no way to defend Palestine now, none. And the people who stay there, the people who stay there in Levant, they're going to be wiped out by this COVID thing. They're going to be wiped out by it. It's coming. It's coming. There's not going to be any mercy shed. There's not going to be anyone spared but the people whom Allah has chosen to spare. And they're not the ones who are going to Jumaa every Friday. I can oh, tell you that and following <laughs> doing good by the people Allah is going to spare are the ones he's made a way for to enter into their own promised land, to enter into a place of refuge. He has already guided most of those people into a place of refuge. Okay. And that's far from all the people who are calling on his name. I can guarantee you that. This is not an easy um, lesson. It's not easy to hear, but that's the situation that we're in. Our Dajjal is at the door. The beast is already knocking at your door. The black boots are coming at 3 a.m., just like they did in Nazi Germany or in Bolshevik Russia. They're all guided by the same spirit of unbelief. Same spirit, okay? And the Muslims leaders over a hundred years ago have given their dominion over to these same people. They allowed their uh, infiltrators into their religion, into their ummah, and they gave them new laws and they made what was haram halal and what was halal haram. They turned everything upside down and they kept, have kept men and women ignorant on purpose so that when this day comes, they can read the scientific papers and still not understand what's on them. And I can tell you right now, most of your doctors who are trained to this day can read those papers, Muslim and not, and they will still not understand them because they've been mind controlled by their medical education. They and I was educated by these people. I went to the medical school. Difference between me and other medical students was I was 10 years older than most of my medical student comrades at the time, colleagues at the time. And I had already read all about vaccines and the immune system. I already knew about these things. And when we were taught about the immune system and vaccinations, they didn't discuss any of these matters. They just said, do it. 
<laughs> it's the same way that they don't they don't discuss nutrition. They don't discuss it. Mm -hmm. It's not discussed. Why? Because they don't want to teach what is true. And they want to protect their medical societies and they want to protect their medical bureaucracies and they want to protect their pharmaceutical industries because the pharmaceutical industries are based on lies and they're based on ancient mystery religion uh, secrets. Okay, the gods and goddesses of the ancient temples. All right. The caduceus, this double snake going up, that's a symbol of uh, the ancient mystery religions. It's a symbol of idolatry. Those snakes represent uh, a bisexual godhead. They teach in their secret religion at the upper levels of the Kabbalah that God has two sexes, that God is bisexual. They thought that Adam was bisexual. They teach him that, okay? That's why the caduceus is there. And that comes out of the ancient religions from ancient uh, Dravidia. And, and it was taken into the Middle East through Babylonia, through the Sumerian kingdoms. And then it went all the way into Europe through the Amorites. And the Jews were already intermarried with the Amorites by the time of Isa. There were no pure Jews then. They were already corrupted with this stuff. Most of your alim don't know anything about this history. They don't know anything about this history. They don't know anything about the science. They're lost and they're guiding the blind. So go ahead, take the vaccine <laughs> if you wish. But for me and mine, we will serve Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I will die refusing that vaccine if I have to. Just to make the point. And the follow-up question to that was, why is Allah allowing Iblis to kill his entire creation by this depopulation agenda by the cabal? Well, because most of the, uh, most of the, um, most of the world has, uh, succumb to idolatry. That's just a simple answer. Allah's not going to protect him. Allah's not going to protect Allah made a, a covenant and then uh, he said, he says right there in the Quran, do not make a covenant with Jews and Christians who make a covenant with each other. He said, don't do it. What have Muslim leaders done? They have done it. They've done it. So is Allah going to protect them? Does Allah protect the disobedient? I don't think so. And if you're a disobedient leader, then the people who follow you, well, there's a hadith that says what happens on the day of judgment to the people who follow their leaders. The prophet said, well, so-and-so, if you followed so-and-so on the day of judgment, you're going to follow him to wherever it is that he goes. If you follow so-and-so too, you're going to follow him wherever he goes. Now, the prophet didn't say where they're going. The principle is there, though. You see, if they're going to hell, you're going to follow them into hell. 
It's real simple. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand Hadith. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that liars and the disobedient are not permitted into paradise. You know, you just, if Allah said, don't do it, and you do it, uh, what, 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 and on the death angel, it's, you know, on the, at the death, at the grave, he's going to say, oh, you did it, didn't you? Uh, I, um, well, I, what are you going to say? I mean, really, what are you going to say? There is no answer. You know, then there's going to be a big X there. And if you're lucky, and if the Hadith is correct, after 40,000 years in hell, you might get out. But I wish to avoid that. Hmm. Yeah. I don't want to spend one day or one minute there, let alone 40,000 years or the equivalent. Okay, so I hope I'm making this point. Why does Allah, why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? I often use this, and you've heard me say it before, dear sister. If a sober woman and her children get in get into a car driven by a drunk husband and he gets in an accident, whose fault is it? Hers or the husband's? They're both at fault. She's at fault because she felt obligated to get into the car with the disobedient man. So she follows him and she suffers the fate of the leader. You see, the principle is the same. The archetype is the same. So on judgment day, and in this day, judgment has fallen on the earth. And that's what is happening. So there's your answer. It's real simple. It doesn't require some highfalutin intellectual philo philosophizing. It's very simple. Yeah. And it's in the Quran. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. It's right there. And the people who don't want to admit this, the alim who don't want to admit this, they will spend three hours trying to avoid this answer. Then you'll walk away confused and you won't know if you've been answered at all. I'm giving you the answer. Alhamdulillah. May it please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, so one more question from the sister because I want to move on to something else before yes. we run out of time. Um, she said, I just have to ask you again about Trump. She wants to know if Allah is... Uh, Mr. Trump, <laughs> the Jew. Right. Yeah, that's Crypto Jew. It, yeah, he's a Jew surrounded by Jews. The president, the office of the president of the United States has been surrounded by Jews for a century now. Okay, they've been surrounded by the Jews who surround uh, the throne of England. All right. The uh, United States is no longer autonomous. It's been under the British throne in the city of London uh, since, uh, what, 1876, something like that, when they changed the corporate law system and they made the United States into a corporation. So you have the United States, the, the country, and you have the United States of America, the corporation. The corporation is subject to the crown, and the crown is not the Queen of England. The crown is the city of London, which is under the thumb of the Jewish bankers. Bankers are all involved 
directly involved in high satanic occultism, all of them, without exception. So the United States Office of the Presidency has been under their thumb and under their misdirection all this time, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. Okay. So, and the, the, the people Kabbalah are, uh, they, they, some of them, some people call them Sabbatean Jews, and there's a, there's an element of truth there, but there's been associated with the Chabadic sect, the Chabad, the sect of the, the Chabad. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Trump's uh, son-in-law is their darling. And his wife, she converted, she ostensibly converted to Jewry to marry him. These are not individual independent people. They are controlled. They have controllers. They do what they're told, they follow a script. Everything what Trump, uh, what Mr. Trump says or maybe doesn't say, he's a bit of a wild card. They chose him because he's like the joker in the, the card game. He can be anything at any time in order to misdirect uh, the, uh, the hand so that their hand can win, you see. Uh, and the uh, trio, the real misdirection. So people are looking to him, and the sister who's asked about him is looking to him uh, with uh, this uh, uh, purposely uh, designed false hope. Okay, so yeah. you, this is a form of hero worship, and that's a form of idolatry, dear sister. Mm -hmm. So you better repent. Okay, and you're looking for a non-Muslim for salvation. Oh, please, please, please. Repent tonight, get on your knees and ask Allah to forgive you because that's a big no-no, all right? So there's not going to be any salvation coming from anyone in the Western government and no, no one in the Eastern governments as well. China has been under the hand of the Chabad since the Opium War, both the first and the second Opium Wars. They raised Mao Zedong, they raised Shiang uh, Kai-shek, they raised Sun Yat-sen into positions of power. And, they, and I don't know about Chairman Mao, but Sun Yat-sen and Chiang Kai-shek, they were Freemasons. And Freemasons were established by the Jews as their reorganized the world according to New World principles. And the New World Order principles are based on an ancient Roman cult. It's the cult of the emperor, <coughs> the cult deified emperor, okay? And uh, this saying, uh, the new world order, ha is attributed uh, to the, uh, the Sibylline scrolls of Rome before Esau walked the earth. But it's been an ongoing plan. And you say, how can it be held together for all these years? Look. Jinn live about 500 years, so it's only four generations of Jinn we're talking about. So you've got grandfather Jinn, great-grandfather Jinn, father Jinn, and then baby boy Jinn. They're all handling the same bloodlines. All right, does that make sense to you? 
because that's what medicine does. It preserves the bloodlines. Okay. And the jinns in full tricks, they do it to murder, they do it to sodomy, they do it, do it especially through uh, pedophilia and child sacrifice. And that was rampant in the, uh, in the Levant. And that was what the Jews were supposed to do away with, and they didn't. They married the Amorites who were doing that. Uh, they mixed with them. And then they became hypocrites at the upper level. The rabbis, the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they all became hypocrites. And they took this ancient religion and they perfected it uh, into a system. And then that system was brought through Islam through the Fatimids and Ishmaelis. And then they, they became what everybody calls the Illuminati in the 18th century. What happened was Adam Wieshaupt resurrected some of the protocols for initiation into this system, who established the Fatimids and the uh, the director, the president, the the, the 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 what they called he was called the king of the mountain from the assassin, and they perfected these initiation protocols to misguide the best men in the land. You know, and they brought this into the European system and then they infiltrated all of the royal houses, all of the nobility, seduced them. And if they couldn't seduce them, they killed them. And one of the ways they killed them was with war. Okay, Hitler was used to destroy the Protestant Re Reformation. He destroyed Germany. That's where it was started. Hitler was used by the Catholics, by, by, the, by the Jesuits, to destroy Germany, to destroy the pride of European chivalry, which remained there. And along with it, they destroyed the truly religious Catholics, the truly religious Jews. It was all planned. It's not accident. It was not just an accident of history. They like to th let you think that, you know, they take all these geopolitical uh, scenarios and say, oh, this just happened because of such and such and so and so, and such a thing happened uh, on such and such a date. No, no. This has been an ongoing plan from the day of Kabil, who refused Tauba. And when you refuse Tauba, you don't get guidance from Allah. You don't get protection from Allah. The sun shines on you just like it shines on the saints. That's true, but you don't get guidance. So you have to build up your own false religion. You have to build up a system of slavery so that other people serve you. And that's what they've done. And that's what today's new world order is doing. And there's about uh, a 1 billion, uh, well, there's about 6 billion too many people on the earth right now, as far as they're concerned. And they are planning to wipe us out, all but a few. And it's very interesting to see that the Quran always says the same thing. 
all but a few, all but a few. A few is not many, <laughs> it's a few, okay? Uh, so if you have two, that's a couple. If you have three, that's it's not quite enough for a few. But if you have a few dozen, well, that's a few, okay? If you have a few thousand or 50,000, 60,000 or 100,000 out of six or seven billion, that's a few. So Allah is going to save a few. A bunch of Arabs who are mistreating their women. He's not going to save a bunch of Muslims who are fornicating in secret. He's not going to save a bunch of Muslims who are uh, performing sodomy on little boys in the madrasa. No, he's not going to do that. And they're being treated with honor and dignity. So these are the men that the Muslims are following, like the woman who got into the car with the drunk driver. Sorry, you're not going to get Allah's protection. It ain't going to happen. So let me destroy that false hope right here and now. So if you walk away from with anything from what I've just said, you better walk away and perform Tauba and ask Allah to refuse to remove all of this false hope from you so that you can see and face reality for what it is, because it ain't nice. And Allah never promised nice. He never promised nice. He promised a promised land to people who obeyed him. That's his promise. And if you don't obey him and you want to follow these false leaders, you want to follow these hypocrites, and you want to follow Jews and Christians who make covenants with each other, fine. Go your way. I'm staying right here in Kentucky, far from the maddening crowd. And if that crowd comes and takes me, well, that's Allah's will, isn't it? But I'm far from it. In Kentucky, as far as I can see, it is a bit of paradise here. It's a bit of a promised land, okay, as far as I can make it. And my wife is the only Muslim in sight aside from her son. There aren't any Muslims here. They're all Christians. And they're all God-fearing Christians, and they keep their powder dry. And these are the kinds of folk that hold a grudge if you cross them. You know the stories of the McCoys and the other ones, you know, in the hills of Tennessee. They fought a feud for generations, and there are still some families here fighting these feuds from generations. They don't give up easily, and they're not going to be taken easily. Yeah. So Allah has placed my good wife and I here in their midst, and he's going to use Christians to protect us. Now, isn't that ironic? Yes. Does that make sense according, what, according to what your alim are teaching you? No, it doesn't. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, I think it's from uh, Prophet uh, Suleiman uh, in Proverbs, where Allah says, my ways are not your ways. What's? So the sunnah of Allah can be discerned, but you have to read it, then you have to apply it. And your alim are not reading it so they don't understand the spiritual laws. The spiritual laws are above fiqh. And everybody's concerned 
about fiqh. This is not the major concern in Islam. Spiritual law is, the moral law is. When, when the prophet gave his final sermon, he did not say, keep fiqh. He said, keep the covenant. Obey Allah, fear him. And you will keep your dominion. These are spiritual laws. They got nothing to do with the fiqh. Nothing to do with your Islamic jurisprudence. Absolutely nothing. But they are governing, governing the present day. And because justice was not upheld amongst the ummah, it has lost its dominion. Not only has it lost its dominion, it's lost its guidance, true guidance. And with true guidance, protection, provision also is lost. That's why most of your Muslims have left their own lands to seek refuge and comfort in the land, amongst the people who have destroyed them. <laughs> now, that's, uh, that's kind of flat earth worthy, isn't it? Yeah, sure it is. That's worthy of a flat earth mentality. Oh, we're going to overcome them by having more babies than them. Yeah, I've, I've talked to men who think that way. And I said, how are you going to feed all those babies? Oh, well, we got Kroger's and we got, you know, Walmart. Uh, how long are you going to have that? What are you going to do when the supply lines are cut? Huh? How are you going to feed them? How are you going to teach them? You're already stupid and foolish. And don't know what to do. Now you've got 10? 10 more like you? Jesus, God, spare me. Spare me this foolishness, this idiocy. And Allah says, okay, I'll just wipe them off the face of the earth. Is that suitable? That suits me, Lord, because I don't want to have anything to do with them anymore. Now, how's that for an answer? That's how Prophet uh, Lut felt. That from the mountain. That's how Jonah felt when he looked at Nineveh. And Allah still destroyed Nineveh a generation later. You see? You see? There's a, there's a, um, a, 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 a passage in Altarat says, I would that you were hot or cold. But because you are neither hot nor cold, I spew you out of my mouth. Allah hates hypocrites. He hates fools. He hates idiots. He hates cowards. He hates anyone who doesn't adhere to the truth. And if you break his covenant, he ain't coming to save you. He says, he who approaches me, I will run to him. And in the night prayer, you are the truth. So he who approaches the truth, Allah will run to him. Most of the alim are not approaching the truth. They're approaching religious recitation. In the end time, they will recite the Quran will not get past the throat. It will not pierce the heart. It will not enter the will. So I'm afraid in answer to the question, most of these people are going to be wiped out. Most of them. 
all right? That's not an easy thing to digest. And I'm sure a whole bunch of people aren't going to, re aren't going to agree with me. And I wish that I was wrong. I really hope that I was wrong, that I am wrong, but I don't think so. So I'm telling you what's in my heart, what's in my mind as a result of me of tafakur, okay? I don't count beads, I think. Okay, so we have about 15 minutes left and I would be uh, remiss if I didn't touch on these two questions because it comes from a listener who was Christian and they actually uh, accepted Islam uh, right before Ramadan, as a result of mm. listening to your talks, alhamdulillah. Is that right? Alhamdulillah. That's right. That's right. Alhamdulillah. Um, according to them, yeah. with the permission of Allah SWT, yeah. you helped change their life. So I wanted mm. to make sure that I answered their questions. I'm getting a little emotional now. But okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I've noticed that you will quote scripture from the Bible that is relevant for your talking points. Being a previous biblical Christian, I appreciate your insight and these scripture references help me to grasp your message more. However, I know that many Muslims do not use the Bible to cross-reference a topic or use the Bible as any form of truth whatsoever. Can you please explain why you reference the Bible and how you determine which Bible scriptures are true? Well, determining which is true is a long, hard process you have to go to the original language in order to decipher what's there. And then you have to compare it to the parascriptural literature and to uh, what you can glean from the Hadith and from the, uh, and from the Quran. When that coalesces, then you're, you're pretty certain that you're, you're on the path of truth. Now, I use the Christian scriptures because I'm, I, I, I was trained in them. Okay, I was trained up in the Christian scriptures. I was not trained up in the Quran. Myself, an Islamic scholar in that sense, although I'm familiar with the Quran, uh, but not as much as uh, Islamic scholars are. The Islamic scholars that I know are not familiar at all with the uh, script, Christian scriptures or the Jewish scriptures or scriptures from any other group of uh, believers. And there are other scriptures. I use those because the Quran uh, says this is a mercy. The Quran is a mercy, and it was sent as a mercy to complete what came before. Now, I've said this over and over again. So if you really want to understand the Quran, you have to understand what came before. And if you don't understand what came before, you can't understand the allegorical language in the Quran or your understanding is incomplete, you see? So that's why I quote the Christian scriptures and the Jewish scriptures on several occasions, because they come to me naturally and because they help uh, people to understand what came before. So it just confirms the Quran even further. The only people who will not be confirmed in this knowledge are people who take the Quran literally. And there are Christians who take the, 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 the Christian scriptures literally. I'll give you an example. 
in the Catholic Church, there's, uh, uh, there's what they call the Stations of the Cross. And you, there are 12 of them, and you go from one to another to another, and you contemplate, you say a prayer, and you contemplate, and you finally get to the cross itself, and you get to the crucifixion. And then you get to another state where you get to the death and then the resurrection. Well, what this is saying is um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a picture of the ancient mystery religion initiation rite. In other words, the metaphysical reality is not to be taken literally as the crucifixion of Christ. It's to be taken as an imaginary, imaginative, uh, uh, an imagination of the death of the nafs. And so when I read uh, that uh, die before you die, you know, and then all this talk about the nafs, and, uh, and, and I knew uh, the ancient mystery religions, and I knew that the cross, the stations of the cross were uh, a picture of this not to be taken literally, although the priests allow their people to take them literally, so that they believe that Jesus is the son of God who died for their sins and is the, the Messiah, but this is the wrong messianic uh, imagination. No, it's the death of the nafs that's being depicted there. So you die to your uh, passions, you die to your personal desires, so that you then resurrect uh, to the things of God. That's what, it, that's what it's supposed to represent. So it's a dying before you die. That's what the Stations of the Cross are all about. That's what the Christian faith is really all about. But they're not teaching that. They understand that. The leaders at the upper levels of the initiation not. Most of the monks do not understand this because they don't understand the mystery religions themselves of the ancient world. You see, Christianity was never why Jesus came. Jesus came to announce the kingdom of God. That was his message. And he said, Muhammad or Ahmad, the comforter, is going to come and establish the kingdom. And he told the people of Khadijah, for example, to wait for him. That's why people, uh, Khadijah's people recognized him. When he came, they knew because there were certain signs that were given, even the Jews knew. That's why the, the uh, Jewish uh, rabbi, uh, Medina, the head rabbi, converted to Islam. He knew. He knew these things. The Christian church has hidden these things. They've hidden these mysteries away. They, and you find these things in the Gospel of Barnabas. It's one of the books that I wrote about called The, uh, the, the uh, Forgotten Saints. It's about the Gospel of Barnabas. All right. All of this stuff is in there. It's there. But going back to where we started, people don't read. Christians don't read either. You see, Muslims don't read. They recite. Even your imams, they think they understand, but what are they doing? They're reciting what they've been taught. They're not, they're not reciting what they've received by virtue of tafakur. You don't have even the Rumis walking the earth these days. You don't have uh, Al-Qidr. If they did enter the mosque, they'd probably be arrested. All three of them. You see, they would not be understood. They would be, they would be, a, a, they would be accused of blasphemy and put to death. That's how far from guidance people are, and that's how far from guidance the Christians are. But they have a good moral ethic, most of them. 
Okay, so if there's any salvation for them, it's because of their good deeds. Allah may forgive them, I don't know. It's not my decision. I'm not expecting, however, for most of the Muslims to be uh, subject to that kind of mercy, at least not until after the 40,000 years, you see. <laughs> so anyway, that's why I mentioned the scriptures in answer to the question. I mentioned the Jewish and the Catholic, uh, the Christian uh, scriptures because they're relevant and most Muslims don't know about these things. So I'm trying to uh, teach uh, Muslims what came before so they understand what the Quran came to complete. But this is a real problem, you see. It deserves further discussion, but uh, I think that answers the question. Last question. Inshallah. Inshallah. As a new Muslim, I expect to have some ridicule in regards to the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and his relationship with Aisha. Anha. Can you provide your thoughts on the history of their relationship and how it may compare to other relationships during that same time in history? Well, it was quite common for European princes to marry uh, young children. It was quite common. But the West and the Jews don't want to discuss this in open public discourse. But if you go back into the history books, it's very common. These marriages were made for political reasons. Muhammad married her for political reasons, but he did not have sex with her until she was about six, somewhere between 16 and 18 years of age. You see, and they're accusing him of being a, a, a pedophile which is just got awful uh, slender, okay? And they're doing this quite knowingly because they know that their own princes did the same thing. They know that their own princes practice pedophilia, but they're hiding it, you see? So it was not a, an unusual, it was there to cement a family, a family to family, clan to clan relationship. And Aisha was willing, you see. I'm sure he didn't bed her without her being willing. And I'm sure she wasn't forced. Because none of what she had to say afterwards implies any of that. There's nothing like that in any of her. The hadith that we have from her, not a, not a trace of subjugation. And she was much more informed than most of the companions at the day much more, and she corrected them. And that's another thing that the alim today don't want to talk about because they've got this chauvinist pent. They don't want to talk about the great women of Islam. You know? And she was one of them, God rest her, and God reward her. So I'm going to have to uh, end this discussion now. Sister Aziza, I have a birthday song to sing uh, to my grandson and he's waiting for me to call him right now. Okay. So I thank you very much and thank your listeners for staying with us. And I hope that we can do this again sometime, uh, inshallah. Inshallah. Thank you so much, Dr. Omar. Talk to you soon, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.